Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. really weird. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming, presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health and how gaming affects us. If you're this live in the chat and you leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show, uh, our topic today is... Uh, Things that uh, media gets right about mental health. But before we get to that, who are you two for the fine folks who may not know? I don't know. I was just so stunned by Trevor's rattling off. Can we can we just appreciate for a second how hard that is and how <laughs> how many times he's done? I decided. I decided I'm not reading it this time. I'm just looking dry at the camera and I'm doing it because <laughs> I've said it enough times that I know it. Right. It's Welcome like to show really... 41, Trevor Appreciation Day. 51. Absolutely. 51. 51. Yes, season five, people. I'm a professional. By calling it seasons. Anyway, um, I'm a professional. <laughs> um, I'm a therapist in private practice in Victoria, British Columbia. I work with families, couples, and individuals. I think that may cover everyone except pets, pretty much, and uh, or wild animals. I don't know. Anyway, and uh, of course, I love games, and um, I like to incorporate gamification when it works for people, and certainly in my own life, and I'm thrilled to be here, as always. Yes, over to you, Dr. B. Hi, I'm Mitra Jordan. <laughs> Not anymore. I switched. Oh, okay, no, we listen. fixed that. Okay. My we name is Doctor. Call me Doctor B because <laughs> my name is Rafael Bocamazzo, Doctor B for long Italian name reasons. <laughs> no, no, just keep going, keep going. I, I would love to hear you do my introduction. Where did the popcorn come from? <laughs> Same place as a tiara dimension. What? <laughs> I will not have any more of oh, this. Oh, there's, okay, okay. We're getting a they highlight. People talk about therapy. They do not understand. God <laughs> has trauma. His life is hard. Well, Strahd we clearly had a break. needs to be assured. <laughs> um. But no one appreciates the booty of Strahd. For he is a fine, fine creature, a vampire of great age and skill. Bill Borovia is me. I am Borovia. Oh, good Lord. Keep going. <laughs> right. So we're doing an episode on um, how therapy is presented in the media and what it gets right. It's true. In, yeah. Yeah. How mental health to really broaden it out. Because, mm -hmm. of course, mental health is more than just therapy. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Because it turns out there's a, 
okay, you know, I know this is going to, especially if you're longtime listeners, this is going to come as a serious shock to you all. It turns out that the media very frequently relies on really outdated stereotypes when they portray mental health. Yeah. Mind blown. Absolutely. Shock. I know. Horror. Who, who, who would have thought? Especially when they they keep up with the fashions just fine and the trends. What is wrong with keeping up with mental health? Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll be here all day. No. Mm -hmm. Well, well, at least for the next next hour. hour. (laughs) Uh, So let's see. Where did we want to start with this? Because we we wanted to talk about examples of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So why don't we... I, I, one of them that we, when we talked about in our, our preview meeting, one of them that we got kind of excited about was uh, mental health professionals who are portrayed well in media, because that is another one. That's another aspect of this that does just go all over the place. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So, so who are some mental health professional, some fictional mental health professionals that you feel were portrayed well in media? Well, Nurse Ratchet off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought she was great. Uh, Dr. Victor Strange in uh, in DC, because we're all malevolent. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, gosh. You did, you did mention someone really good yesterday. No, I did. Oh, oh no, because I'm such a, I am become such a fanboy so quickly of Ted Lasso. Um, Me too. Oh my God, Dr. Sharon Fieldstone. Fantastic oh. portrayal. Amazing. Of a therapist. Absolutely. So good. Absolutely. What, 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 so, so what what makes her a good representation of a mental health professional? Gosh, so many things. Um, one, ba- she has boundaries. Mm. Like there, there are subtle, there are subtle. Why is and- that always the first thing to go out the window in media when it comes to mental health professionals? So true, so true. I still remember a movie ages ago where someone, uh, where there's sort of therapy scenes, and then of course the therapist and the client end up getting together. Do you people know how much of a no-no that is? Like it no. would, just wouldn't happen. So. <laughs> No, it's 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 actually how much how much of a no no that is, gang, is the fact that um, most ethical codes that the American Psychological Association puts out, they're like, well, you should do your best to do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. It just da, 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 da. when it comes to sex with clients, they're like, no, yeah, okay, no, just like, no. Did you actually want to be a therapist? Because like, no. <laughs> You, you will lose your license, your yeah. registration, whatever it's called, and do not come back. Do not pass go. Like, do right. not collect anything. You are, you should be done. And are you doing therapy with a former sexual partner? No. Oh. Right. A family member? No. Yeah. I mean, fa- see, that that's it. Where it gets family members, they, when it gets to small town communities, then uh, that gets a little bit more mm, hinky. But this tells you the point of how important that that you know that line between having relationships with clients is you know sexual relationships the the codes are like don't no just no rolled up newspaper no yeah i i think that you know that may have been true but now i find so much more therapy is online so Mm -hmm. if if there is ever a temptation to do therapy with someone you you know well um, I, you know, I would hope there's alternatives. There are yeah. certainly smaller communication communities, but 
<clears throat> you don't, you know, and you might be in the community, you might see mm -hmm. each other in the community, but you you set boundaries right off, which, you know, um, Sharon Fielding does because, of course, she's working with an entire team. Right. She's the and, team's psychologist. Right. So people know that people are seeing her. People come in and out of her office and know somebody's just been for a session. And she handles that beautifully, as I would hope someone who's working with a team and then individuals would do. So, yeah. Yeah. No, there was, I mean, there slight spoilers, gang. Um, if so, like, if you haven't seen season two of Ted Lasso, I'm going to, I'm going to try and talk about this without spoiling too much because you deserve the opportunity to see it with fresh eyes. But there is a scene where one of the characters, uh, goes in for a session. Well, call calls for an emergency session with Dr. Fieldstone and, when there, there's this comedic moment where they, they, can I have a hug? She gives them a very <laughs> clinically appropriate hug. Um, it was not, it, it was just, it was, yeah, it was totally appropriate if, if you're comfortable doing that. And they jokingly say, are you going to charge me for this session? And they, and she said, of course I am. And their response was, I appreciate your integrity. <laughs> it's, there's just so many subtle markers of how therapy actually goes with people, mm -hmm. including her own feelings in the room. Absolutely. How, yeah, because this is one that's rarely talked about. I think therapist self-disclosure and appropriate self-disclosure absolutely can deepen therapy. It humanizes the therapist. It helps people feel connected to the therapist and also connected to those parts of themselves that they're really vulnerable about and that maybe, and it gives them permission to share more of themselves. Um, and to feel like they have that personal connection with the therapist, which, you know, I would really hope that you do. Uh, it's a professional relationship, but professional relationships can be warm and caring. Mm -hmm. So, but, but done in a way that's so completely appropriate really helps, I think, viewers understand what that can look like. 100%. I mean, they, and they, oh God, they do, they do that so well. And the, the fact that there are certain populations that if you work with them, um, self-disclosures are actually kind of appropriate and really do deep. I work with a lot of teenagers. Yeah. And if I sit there, you know, and do the sort of stereotypical, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and how does that make you feel? And how does that make you feel? And how does that make you feel? I bet a number of our audience members right now want to smack me already. The teenagers definitely Not do. Not just the audience members. Oh my God. Yeah, no. The, <laughs> and, and so being able to say, yeah, I, have has this ever happened to you? Yeah. Well, what did you do with that? What did you do when it happened to you? Well, I'm happy to answer. I just want to know, why do you ask? And then we have a conversation about what they're hoping to get out of it. And they say, okay, well, you know, if, and very often it's just to have their experiences normalized. And for me to be able to give minimal details that don't, you know, that don't center it on me, but actually disclose in a way that helps with the client, that's completely appropriate. And certain, again, certain groups really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This, I have a number of clients who have families, have teenagers, and it's so reassuring for them to know that I have also raised kids. And in this instance that, um, I, you know, 
that we can be parent to parent. I don't have to say much for them to just feel like, okay, you get it. it this mm-hmm. is not to say that a therapist who hasn't had kids can't be an excellent therapist for families and kids. Mm-hmm. It's just that you then acknowledge your experience and the really good ones will always say, yeah, you know, I, I haven't had kids. Tell me more about how you feel about that. And this is a great way to elicit that parent experience. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, be really honest about your own experience. Whatever right. it, we don't have to go into it, but it does help for clients to know that if you haven't had children and you're practicing therapy with them and the issue has to do with parenting, that they understand you're coming from that compassionate, not knowing perspective. Otherwise, it can feel really jarring for them. Uh, especially if you get into any brainstorming with them and then there's an underlying little voice for them that can be like, yeah, but you don't really have any idea. So it's great. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had this experience. Here are some thoughts around what people have shared that could work or something like that. So they understand and can feel that connection with you. Then we don't lose connection. Mm -hmm. And this is, I mean, this is one of the things I just really enjoyed about that character uh, is that, we actually see, I mean, we see a scene where uh, we see a scene where she's being insulted. Like, um, because one, one of the things that if you, if you've never done therapy before, what you should know is that our hour long therapy sessions are really about 50 minutes because we have to take time to do chart notes and make phone calls and do all sorts of stuff like that. And so, you know, we're doing an hour of work in seeing, you know, people for about 50 minutes. And there is a heated exchange with, with Dr. Sharon Fieldstone that uh, about fidelity and honesty, and she's charging for an hour when she's only doing 50 minutes of work, ah, table flip, table flip, table flip. When she, con- she confronts that character again, not overtly, she doesn't seek that character out. They go to her for another session and then she opens with just saying, hey, yeah, you accused me of not caring because I charge for my sessions, which is by the way, a complaint we've all heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, might we have all heard more it. about that later in the season. Um, yeah, great idea. <laughs> yeah, we, we have all heard that <laughs> if we're being paid money, we don't actually care about our clients. Um, and she offers a very succinct, very personalized example of, do you love what you do for a living? Absolutely. Would you do it for free? Sure. But you don't, do you? Does it mean you don't care? And they just go, oh, snap, sorry. (laughs) And it's, it, it was an appropriate self-disclosure that actually rectified and mended the relationship. And it's just so cool to see that from a therapist perspective of, because usually therapists are just like malevolent. I I brought up horrible examples facetiously earlier and Mm -hmm. they're, they're often malevolent. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I, Um, I keep, I don't want to keep monopolizing this. That, that's fair. You're um, doing you're doing great. Well, I, mean, I, I was just agreeing. Uh, I do want I do want to uh, transition to another character that we had uh, written down that uh, Beecher wanted to talk about. Uh, who 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 was the the mental health professional that you liked? I think it was Sharon Fieldstone. Did I have someone else? Oh in no, mind? no, you got someone else. You had uh, you had Deanna Troy down. Oh yes, 
Okay. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah. So back when I was in my uh, teens, um, actually a little younger than that too, I watched Next Generation a lot and I absolutely loved Counselor Troy. And I kind of got compared a little bit to Counselor Troy at one point, not that I look actually anything like her. And also um, the cleavage is, is really quite something on her and she's such a beautiful woman. But anyway, um, but I think that for Good me- Good night, everybody. We can just end on that <laughs> note. <laughs> I think for me, the piece that really stood out was the way she normalized therapy and mental health as yeah, you can go see a therapist when you're working through something. You, you, it, she was one of the first examples at the time, I think, where you really did see that you don't actually have to have um, massive mental health problems to seek therapy. And this was, you know, that's the one thing I feel that was really done very right um, in Next Generation in terms of her portrayal. Now, of course, there's some pieces that wouldn't actually happen. You wouldn't be um, a ship's officer of such high rank where you're kind of like with all the people that you're doing therapy with, you would be off to the side and just doing therapy so that people don't always have to encounter you that highly incorrect. Um, well, also, you don't go on away also. missions regularly? <laughs> I wish I could go on away missions at all anyway. <laughs> Okay, but the point here is that it normalized therapy at a time where therapy was seen as something you went to do if there was something profoundly wrong with you. And that was an excellent shift. Um, I did actually at one point get to meet Marina Sirtis and I, she really trained for her character. She did an awful lot of research. She actually went to a psychoanalyst and did several interviews and, and even did a little bit of psychoanalysis. Oh, and that explains her style. to learn about it. Yeah, That's absolutely. Wild. I did not know yeah. that. That explains yeah. Counselor Troy's delivery style. It's very absolutely. psychoanalytic. It's very psychoanalytic. And this was also very popular at the time mm. in terms of what good therapy was it was often presented as quite psychoanalytic with mm -hmm. some you know with some rogerian stuff thrown in in terms of you know warmth empathy all of that no that's true but, she did she did do some rogerian stuff with Worf and alexander yes yeah so maybe there you some go minutian um so to 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 cap off the the mental health professional one, there was one other one that we had on here that I also just gave a ringing endorsement to, uh, which was Dr. Sidney uh, Friedman from Mash. Oh yeah, I, okay. Yes. So for those of you who haven't ever watched Mash because it ended in 1983, um, if you go back and watch war. it, understand it is a product of its time. Yes. Okay. There are a lot of things that 50 years late, you know, 40 to 50 years later, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, um, did not age well. However, Dr. Sidney Freeman, uh, Friedman is one of the best examples of mental health professionals in a caring and positive light because, um, yeah, he, he again had good boundaries with clients. Um, and just, just so you know, that if you're doing mental health work within an organization, the, the, the boundaries that we would think of towards the public get a little bit permeable 
but they still need to be there and well-defined and so forth. Um, I used to work in a prison and there's all sorts of, um, the, yeah, multiple role stuff, but anyway, that's a whole thing unto itself. But um, within an organization like the military, it's similar that you may work with people you know. And even that he, as he did it, he was caring. He wasn't over pathologizing. He very, very much wanted to help his patients in a way mm -hmm. that, was warm yeah and yeah. hopeful I, I i do think one of the smartest things that they did uh i mean sydney for like I, I i watched mash as a kid and i and i absolutely loved it and yes i got a lot of my comedy styling from hawkeye uh but i always <laughs> said that my favorite character on that show was sydney friedman like yeah. anytime he was on the show it was a fantastic episode and i loved it but i loved that he wasn't permanently there because mm -hmm. that made yeah. sense because mm -hmm. he shouldn't have been there. Right. right. Well, maybe Absolutely. he should have. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, <laughs> just, just throwing this out there. Frank Burns, just. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. But what's really cool about all of these examples is that um, we show, they show the humanity beyond the job. Yeah. Yes. Um, Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, they show consultation for her. Oh really? Yes. They do. Yeah. Wow. She has she has a supervision or consultation ah, consultation session with her therapist or her supervisor, mm -hmm. I should say. Yeah. And the difference between consultation and supervision is simply that one is voluntary and the other is not. You can mm -hmm. be mandated to have supervision, but as part of a disciplinary um, process, or but even training. Or even training. Training, yeah. that's absolutely, you know, that's part of it. But uh, but you do consultation when you seek to to um, understand how to better meet your, your uh, client's needs mm -hmm. or to just kind of work through something that you want to make sure you're doing better with clients. So, yeah, and it's a, actually it's it's a really moving consultation where um, they talk about being vulnerable with you, with your clients, how to be how to be appropriately vulnerable, how to then confront parts of yourself that might be interfering with how you are as a therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and we, we, we saw that with uh, Sidney Friedman as well. He sought consultation from the other medical professionals yep. in modern parlance that would be called a multidisciplinary team. Yeah. A multidisciplinary treatment team, um, which is something I haven't been a part of in a while, but I kind of miss. Mm -hmm. um, oh, me too. I Me really too. miss being able to work in conjunction with people like that and get that sort of consultation and get that sort of multiple perspectives on how to more holistically work with clients. Um, because, you know, if you've got a psychiatrist in house, you can talk to on the regular about cases. Great. Um, and, you know, the, Dr. Friedman did that. I'm not sure if I recalled Deanna Troy doing that, but she definitely did need to reach out for support from others on multiple occasions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember them actually so showing consultation. Although her I'd mother. Be, I'd be, oh boy, I'm not sure how helpful that would have been. The Waxana is a whole episode unto herself because she deserves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just give you a chance to understand maybe um, why some people become therapists um, or or how they learn to process feelings in the face of a shall we say very larger than life personalities, which is always interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But I think that this piece around not practicing alone is actually really important. And it's great to actually see in some of these shows because so often I think the therapist is presented almost as some kind of lone wolf. You know, you go up to their office and they're there. And you know, certainly the malignant therapist is presented as, as working alone. Uh, and to manipulate their clients, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, consultation would just get in the way of that process, right? right? Why would you want someone to stop you if you're, you know? right? So, in terms of you know therapy and therapists being shown as part of a broader community that allows them to self-reflect, mm -hmm. um, it certainly was done really well with Sharon Fieldstone, and I think that this um, that working within a multidisciplinary team. I wish we could all in life do more of that. Some of us get to do it in agency work, but it does mean we're able to offer better care. And it's really great to actually see that depicted mm -hmm. somewhere in the media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, before we move on to like good portrayals and mental health challenges, um, somebody, you know, in the chat brought up Frasier. Ah, yes. I, I, I got to address that because I, I'm I a do, Frasier fanboy. I do like J Dog's follow up of Cheers Frasier or Frasier Frasier. <laughs> and what about okay. Niles? <laughs> okay. So let me, I, I'm, I'm a Frasier fanboy, but mm -hmm. it bring, this too. brings up a really, really good point is that when we're talking about media, storylines, story trumps fact. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. If we're going for completely factual portrayals of what therapy and therapists are, it's boring. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. not exciting, gang. It's we really, really boring. And Frasier is a farce in Absolutely. the strictest set, especially by the time you get to season three. Oh, Frasier yeah. is a true farce in an operatic Shakespearean way. Absolutely. Um, there are times where when it comes to Frazier's behavior, he's a great example of warmth and boundaries and appropriate psychiatric care. But Frazier is first and foremost a farcical show. Yes. And so they fudge a lot of stuff for the, for the sake of creating uh, humor. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that Frazier and Niles, Niles less so, um, because the focus is less on him, but there's a lot of stuff that Frazier does that's kind of unethical and just kind oh, yeah. of <laughs> crappy person, but it's funny. It is. It, it, is. it is. It is. I feel like um, Fra like Frazier, the show, did less harm to the profession of therapy than some of the other portrayals of that's, therapy. You that's know? fair. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, most most mental health professionals, again, Frasier being a product of its time that it ended in 2003, um, it's, it is very 90s yes. and a lot of it is held up. Um, a, a lot of it is held up. There's some transphobic humor in there that really hasn't. Um, there's, there's some homophobic stuff, but there's also some relatively progressive stuff in there in terms of its exploration of gender identities and sexuality and so forth. But um, it, you know, if you can watch it with the lens that it, that it uh, it is a product of its time. A lot of mental health professionals love that show. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah, but you know, that. think about this. You know, we get we don't get a ton of representation, right? Which mm -hmm. fine, but when we are represented, it's often as some kind of malignant, you know, uh, problematic Hannibal. mental health therapist, right? So, uh, so when you have a show like Frasier, which sort of humanizes the mental health therapist, um, you know, writ large in terms of foibles and, and farce, but essentially not doing harm, 
you know, right? There's some issues around boundaries. It's a story, you know, and it's it's meant to be a comedy, but essentially not out there to hurt people. Like there's mm -hmm. a piece both Frazier and Niles have around genuinely wanting to be of right. help, having got into the profession for, you know, many of the right reasons, mm -hmm. caring about their training. You know, these are really good things to just recognize about the characters. Ethics so, do become a prime, are, are yeah. often a prime contention point for them sticking to their ethics to the point yeah. of rigidity, even at the even at the, the the frustrations of their former cop father. Yeah. Yeah. And to pit, I mean, the characters and the way they're sort of written together, it's just quite lovely mm -hmm. because there's Frasier, there's Niles, more of a straight man. There's dad who's, you know, salt really? of the earth. <laughs> Not in a, yeah, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> God, now I'm thinking of the Patrick Stewart episode I, of, season, right? of season 11. Um, okay, let's take a quick break to remind our viewers and listeners of our disclaimer. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some games that had good mental health representation mm -hmm. in it. Be right back. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. All right, so we had a list of games uh, that have good, in our opinion, representation of mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you want to start on this? Well, I could I could I plug something here? Oh yeah, uh, first and fourth. Plug away. So part of part of the reason that we have this list of games is that every two years, take this actually awards well, an award for outstanding, compassionate mental health representation in games, named after my predecessor, our first clinical director, the Dr. Mark Award. And um, these are games that go beyond stereotypes and, you know, represent things in a compassionate and even hopeful kind of uh, hopeful kind of way. And the, our, our previous two winners are Celeste and Stardew Valley. Um, if uh, Nominations, by the way, are currently open for the 2022 Dr. Mark Award. If you go to take this org on socials, you can find links to all of that and we may even share them. But um, yeah, so there's my shameless plug. I, I don't feel like that was shameless at all. Okay, <laughs> that's great. So, so what are what are uh, some games that get mental health right? Well, Celeste and and Stardew Valley for sure. Oh yeah, they're award winners. They're award winners. Do we do we have any other examples? <laughs> Cozy Grove. I love Cozy Grove. Psychonauts absolutely. two. Fair, um, yeah, absolutely. Which which did a better job than Psychonauts one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was one of the technical consultants. <gasps> oh, that's why. It... <laughs> no, in the I, presence I, of greatness. I, I would love to take credit for that, but really, it's that that's not how it works. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, I, I that was more of a flex. I haven't played Psychonauts two, but it, it is on my list. I, I, it's one of those where I'm like, I feel like I got to play the first one, um, and I haven't gotten around to doing that. 
But uh, yeah, I've I've heard nothing but good things about Psychonauts 2 as far as representation goes. Because essentially, if I remember correctly, this game is going into people's minds. Yep. And some of them do have mental health problems. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All of them, in fact. They do a... They do an amazing job of because this is this is the thing about artistic representation of mental health challenges. You're not doing a definitive example of a diagnosis. Like there will never be a definitive example of depression or um, anxiety or anything like that because there's so many different flavors of all of the above. But what they did was they they looked at certain slices of those things as art should do. Um, and they um, and they do a wonderful, wonderful job of that. They um, I, my favorite is panic attacks is as an enemy in Psychonauts. 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So the way they did it was really cool. Okay. So what they did was the panic attacks were like black, inky, human voids, but they okay. were surrounded by multicolored frenetic energy. Yeah. Oh. And they would transport to different places, and it was a little overwhelming to try and fight them. And I'm like you took so many actual experiences of panic attacks yeah. and you did such a good job of artistically defining them. Yeah. It was so cool. And, but some of the other, some of the other enemies like sensors, they stamp out unwanted thoughts. Um, yeah. Guilt drops weight from above. <laughs> okay. That's perfect. That's pretty yeah. good. One of the mini bosses, they're the judge and they swing gavels around judging your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I gotta play this. Game. I might. Have oh, you to really just jump do. Yeah. And play that one. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I'll watch like a Psychonauts one in five minutes thing. <laughs> we had a, we had a conversation at one point about the game that helps people understand about depression, and I can't remember what it's called. But I'm depression quest. You might depression quest. There we go. Is that a real um, thing? Yeah, it's it's a real game, yeah. and um, well, and it takes you through the process. Well, the experience of depression, how it gets worse and worse, how it exhausts you, um, you know, in the, it's it actually depicts depression very, very well. And I would encourage anyone who's trying to understand the depression that a friend or family member or colleague is experiencing to give this game a try because I think hard, it brings though. it to life. Yeah, you want to visit and if you're fortunate enough, um, you, it's great not to live there. Right, but but to understand what someone's going through can can really help because there's nothing that interferes with depression as much as the compassion of a caring person. So, mm. you know, being able to have a better felt sense, even to visit with the experience, is pretty pretty useful. Okay. So, not it's, an easy game, but not powerful. in the sense that it is powerful. Mm. That's right. Um, do it when you're you know when you're in a good place. Yep. So. I would say, but yeah. in terms of a, something that was created to help people really understand um, some of the challenges with mental health experiences that people have when they have depression and anxiety, you know, it's, it's great to have a bit more of a felt sense because from the outside, we can make all kinds of judgments about people who are dealing with depression and anxiety that are not helpful at all, either to our understanding of it or to what the person's experience is. So, yeah. That's fair. Mm. And I, well, another one I really want to give a shout out was, uh, and this is going to kind of come out of left field because it's not a video game, is the latest edition of, uh, of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Mm. 
Um, I I want to applaud Watsi for for approaching mental health the way they did. They put so many caveats within that, and they took away they inched it away from the insanity meter concept. And the way they framed mental health within that is uh, was oh, no. situational stressors. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. All right, Strahd, let's talk. <laughs> puppet had made it to your house oh my all God. right no archie no let's see strad i was born at a very young age uh i um, hope you were <laughs> i was angry at the world because it was suddenly very cold but um, i have now lived forever i am denied. what's that like that sounds oh, boring despair yeah no i get that the existential <laughs> angst of living forever my god the resilience on you <laughs> Yeah, no, I get that. I couldn't help myself. No, that's fair. That's fair. And yeah. scene therapy theater with Dr. B and Matra <laughs> featuring Strahd. But yeah, the, the 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 uses of um they changed it to instead of madness, it was stress, wasn't it? Yeah, no, they 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 um they did such a good job of making those stresses more situational than personal because so often we get uh we have mental health challenges personalized as some sort of moral or character failure whereas they they did they made it all situational and something that you can recover from mm -hmm. with enough rest and care and so forth and that's a big step for a main for you know the big rttrpg publisher mm -hmm. Um, there's been cool stuff going on in indie communities for a long time, but you know, to have the the big kid on the block too, that was just oh, oh I loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's it great. was just a faceless bride. <laughs> okay, listen, we're back doing therapy again. All right, so, so all right, bride Strahd. Um, so marriage, how you feel about commitment? Forever. I mean, till death do us part doesn't really apply here, does it? Oh shit never-ending form of hell oh, <laughs> oh my God. good night everybody good night everybody <laughs> we're gonna go to the disclaimer now um so Just gonna have some fun <laughs> one of the things i wanted to quickly touch on before we passed over to the viewers for questions um we've talked about stardew valley a lot as far as like a good great game a good uh, mm -hmm. you know game like that what does it do specifically that is is a good representation of mental health you want to take this one mitra you want me to i think you should i have played stardew valley but not as deeply as some but I, it, that's off, a very kind off, way of saying how many hundreds of hours i've put into it hey i was actually referring to some of the people in my household who love it and are just like why aren't you playing stardew valley with us so <laughs> there's been that but I, briefly one thing i noted was that they do like the characters are flawed and and have problems and talk about them mm -hmm. and not all of them are mentally stable or healthy which is what makes them so interesting but please no i mean that that encapsulates it um now it's it's a game designed to be a little bit more for younger audience delivery um so they don't go into a ton of nuance around certain things but so many of the characters do struggle with emotional behavioral and even addiction challenges and you as the player character have the have the capability of responding in a way that is compassionate and that builds a relationship in a way that 
that empathizes with all of these folks and can even help them. And that's, it's in a very non-judgmental, non-stigmatizing kind of way. And so many of the characters have that. Uh, I believe Kent, who is the, the veteran who came home from yeah. war, very mm-hmm. startled by loud noises. Um, I forget the name of the character who uh, struggles with substance abuse. I think there might even be two of them. Um, and so the, um, oh God, Shane. Yeah, I don't want to even get into Shane. Oh, but I, I my colleague and friend, Dr. Rachel Cowart, who's been on the show before, uh, she when she started playing Stardew Valley, she was like, ah, oh, Shane's a jerk. Shane's a jerk. And uh, the rest of us in in uh, the Take This staff were like, no, no, go with that. All right, get to know Shane. And there's so much depth there. It mm-hmm. humanizes him so well. So, yeah, I like it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you have something you want to say? I was just going to say, you know, I think with Cozy Grove, what I really see is how much the characters are struggling with grief and to understand their own situations. Yeah. Um, and the way they're sort of frozen in time and what happens as we kind of bring them to life, bring a light literally to their, to their lives. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's so beautifully done in terms of so feeling compassion for the characters as well. So I, yeah. I'm also a Cozy Grove fanboy. <laughs> well, you introduced me to it. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it's so no cute. It is. It's so cute. It's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. It's relaxing. But yet there's quests and you learn things and there's progression, which is really quite great. So, mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, okay, let's see what chat has been up to while we've been talking. Um, this one, I, I, I have, I'm familiar with this piece. Media. I don't know if you all are, but this is from Elimium, uh, Elimian, Elimian. I'm gonna go with that one. I'm sorry if it's wrong. I uh, have the host read the Stormlight Archives. I'm curious of your take on the main character's portrayal of mental health, and I saw later that they clarified it was about Kaladin. Have either of you read Stormlight Archive? No, I'd be real. I, I haven't read a work of fiction in five years. That's fair. Uh, I I'll I'll touch on this because I have read it. Um, eh, I'm gonna go with eh as far as uh, Kaladin is uh, portrayed as far as mental health goes. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a big eh. Um, but uh, let's see. Th- this is uh, so. There are a couple other questions as far as like uh, different media portrayals. Um, or have either of you watched Steven Universe? I tried. I, it I know was it's not really good. Yeah, me. I get it. I get it. It was not for me. Yeah, unfortunately, likewise. Yeah, uh, I, I, I have also watched a little bit of it. Uh, I know that uh, my my sister in law, who absolutely loves that show, has talked at length about the representation of mental health and everything in there. So I do know it is it is a good source of that. Uh, Stabigal uh, specifically asked, uh, what are the, the what do you as mental health professionals think of the portrayal of survivor's guilt and suppressed trauma in Steven Universe, which I do know is a thing that they they deal with quite a bit. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other uh, Devil Crayon says, "Do the hosts have an opinion on sinuous sacrifice?" Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what 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 is your opinion on that? I mean, that's an entire lecture unto itself. It's great. It was groundbreaking, and they, if you want to talk about representing mental health, they did everything right. Um, so, in the production process of Sin- uh, sinuous sacrifice, for those of you who are not familiar with it, it is about an eighth-century Pict warrior woman 
who is going through hell to find the soul of her departed lover. But she experiences what we would in modern times call psychotic symptoms in the forms of extrasensory perceptions, um, which they portray in a culturally relevant and appropriate way. Now, it is not meant to be a definitive. I've, I've talked to the team behind this, by the way. This is part of the reason I have all this information. <laughs> I'm um, really enjoying this. Keep going. Um, so they, they, um, they, they, what they did from the beginning was they, they got a group of people together, uh, focus groups of people with various forms of, uh, of psychosis, uh, psychotic diagnoses and had them help guide them through the portrayal process. So it was not in an overly harsh stereotyped way. Now it, um, and they kept, and that's what you need to do when you have consultants, you get them in from the beginning. Because so many people, when they bring in consultants, bring it in when the project's like 95% finished. And if there's something wrong, you can't fix it at that point. Um, So they brought them in early. They consulted with Dr. Paul Fletcher, who's a psychiatrist and neuro expert at Cambridge University in England. And um, who's a funny dude, by the way. And they, they kept that process going throughout the entirety of the development to the point that there was a different original ending that they changed because of the feedback from their focus groups. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was not meant to be a definitive portrayal of something like um, uh, like schizophrenia or other forms of psychosis, but it was meant to be an artistic representation of what some of those experiences may be in certain cases. And mm-hmm. um, there's split, I've heard split opinions from certain people. Um, some people were like, that's not my experience at all. Some people are like, oh my God, I use this to explain this to my therapist, to my family. Mm-hmm. So they understand what I'm going through. Um, because experiences are so wildly different. And that's yeah. part of the reason they had an entire team of, of, of lived experience people for the focus mm-hmm. group. Yeah. Yeah. I've hard heard... to play game though. Oh it's yeah. It, well-written, it... hard to play, um, in its terms of its storyline and heaviness. Yeah. Uh, the, the trailer, for the second game that's coming out was mm-hmm. even like hard for me to get through. <laughs> it is intense. Um, mm. And uh, it, 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 it does, a, it does, it mixes mental health with fantasy and mythology. Um, and it's very present in the game. It is very graphic <laughs> um, mm. and it is very difficult. Um, but uh, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about that game. Uh, let's see. Uh, Monkey House uh, asked question. Any thoughts on Disco Elysium? Yes, it's a fantastic game that I haven't gotten through yet, and its depictions of mental health are interesting. <laughs> are they? Uh, okay. Like it's it's not bad. Like it's it's um, but it's it is it is a it is a game that took a an aesthetic, and they they were like, we know what we want to do here, and they went for it. Um, there are like it's like most games. I'm reading about it right now. It's a, it's a CRPG, like old Baldur's Gate games and whatnot. And normally there was like a narrator sort of thing to the text and whatnot. And the interesting thing is that essentially all of the information that you would be getting is conveyed to you by a voice or entity in your head. Hmm. And so that changes depending on what the situation is. Hmm. The, the I think one of the more interesting because I haven't gotten through a lot of it. Uh, I do really enjoy the game. I just haven't had the time to dedicate to it. One of the really interesting ones for me is um, 
you wake uh, at one point you're presented with cigarettes and there's like the, one of the voices just like hey you'd look really cool if you uh if you had that right now ah. and and you can oh. say to it it's like no i don't do that and then it'll be like what you're not cool and so like it has this addiction voice that talks to you interesting in the game mm -hmm. it's it's a very interesting one it's it like by far not accurate <laughs> but it's very very interesting um huh. yeah yeah D dr b if you end up if either of you actually end up looking at that game i'd love to know what you think about it um let me see um that's beep 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 while Trevor's looking that up, yep. I see chat. Enjoy the Mickey Mouse ears while they're still there. I'm, <laughs> I'm moving offices in like two months and that's getting fixed. Hey, you've kept them up for the last year. I really don't. Do see you know why. how hard it was to install everything? Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. That's why I got green screen. <laughs> um, so uh, what, one, one of the questions that had come up, this is from Yield Dice Goblin, uh, which was about Cyberpunk 2077, and if it was a uh, good example or bad one of uh, what they were getting at was DID with the main character being able to see and talk to Johnny Silverhand. I don't, I don't think that was even their intention, though, because that was full plot and was someone else's consciousness. Um, so I don't think that was at all the intention of it. I don't know how much you all have looked into cyberpunk. I haven't, but just yeah. on, just on history alone, I can, most portrayals of dissociative identity disorder are awful. Yeah. 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 It's fair. Um, and then the, the only other one that we got here was, uh, from, uh, spider 71, uh, which was about final fantasy seven, specifically cloud with amnesia and loss of self. I think that one was again more video game storyline presenting and amnesia has so often been presented as a plot point. Yes. Yeah. And it's such a convenient plot point for in video games for all kinds of quests and in stories and, and films for opportunities for the character essentially to see themselves differently afterwards, which you know. Um we did have a couple of movies. In particular, we look. We talked about Inside Out. No, P Pixar. No, they make me ah! feel things. I still have not watched that movie. <laughs> Inside yeah. Out. I still have not watched it uh, because oh, I'll never forgive them. Well, see, that's the thing. I haven't watched a lot of Disney or Pixar movies in recent years because I'm like. I'm not good with crying right now. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't no. want to cry. Don't feel like doing it. No. I'm going to be over here. Bing bong. No. Yep, Everybody yep. in the audience who has seen that movie knows exactly what I mean. So what I'd like to point out for my co-hosts here is our, my co-speakers. Anyway, there's a real parallel process. That's what we call it, right? Because in Inside Out, um, the character who has just moved to a new community and has all these little characters in her head, right? So you've got a protagonist who was happy-go-lucky and things were all good. And then she's moved cities and she has to readjust and she has a lot of feelings. And she's having a lot of feelings that she's never really had before because things were great, things were stable. So there's, a, there's joy and there's anger and there's uh, sadness and all of these feelings um, are not getting past joy because joy is like no we must feel good we don't want to feel other feelings right mm. and so it's it's a really well oh, so interesting. interpretation of how 
we put pressure on ourselves to only feel certain things. Mm. And we try our hardest to repress feelings that we think of as negative, uncomfortable. I don't want to feel that, so I'm going to push it away. Mm -hmm. And I won't give away the story, but as a therapist, I can tell you, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't expect yourself to only feel one thing. Yeah. It's just as, as, as bizarre to say, I should be happy all the time, as it would be to say, I should be angry all the time. Hey, or hey, I should be fearful all the time. I mean, time. if you're a Sith, you hey, can be angry all the time. Hey, Mitra, you know what you should feel all the time? Guilty. That's right. Exactly. I'm ahead of the curve. Exactly. <laughs> Catholics of the world, you might. Ashamed all the time. Okay, uh, we are running out of time because uh, we, uh, we we got to get out of here. But uh, uh, thank you all so much for tuning in and watching. Uh, friends, where can people find you on the interwebs if they would like to do so? Uh, MitraJordan.com or, of course, Mitra Jordan at Mitra Jordan, I should say, on Twitter. Um, feel free to be in contact. And uh, unlike, those are kind of the two main places you can find me, unlike... Dr. B, who is everywhere. I'm everywhere, everywhere. all at once. I'm Batman. Everywhere all at once. Um, y'all can y'all can find me on most of the socials oh. at B Dr. B. That's T-H-E-E-D-O-C-T-O-R-B as in boy. Uh, but it's more important that you follow Take This at Take This Org on all the socials. Go nominate, go find the Dr. Mark nomination form and nominate your favorite mental health portrayals from 2020, 2021. Um, that's going to be open on uh, open until the 31st of this month. There you go. Uh, I'm going Mitra, to you want very to say quickly put a plug in for everything, everywhere, all at once. I As still want to see that. Oh, God, I want to see that. Aspects of mental health beautifully. Okay. And um, I won't give away anything more than that because that would be real unfair to the rest of you. And it's, it's oh, fantastic. I can't wait to see that. Okay. Fantastic. People go. <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Um, this is turning into a movie review channel. <laughs> where we get uh, mental health uh, uh, education as well as movie reviews. Uh, <laughs> you can find me uh, on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there as well as anywhere the Isle Champions community is because I'm the community manager and that's where I'll be. Uh, thank you so much to Martin for moderating the chat and day and doing a fantastic job. And thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This for giving us an opportunity to have these conversations. Uh, if you missed any part of this show, you can catch it later as a podcast or your favorite podcast service. And if you have any uh, suggestions for future topics you'd like us to talk about, you can send those into uh, to Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com. Or if that's too long, just tweet it at us. Uh, let's see. We've got a rebroadcast of Bardic Inspiration coming up right after this. Uh, and then uh, the rest of the week schedule, I believe, is the same except for, well, we're going to have a few, few changes and things. So pay attention to our socials uh, and also our Discord announcements so that way you can see uh, how the schedule is being updated. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until next week, take care of yourself. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. 
We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.